Hey everyone, welcome to the Happy Flosser podcast. My name is Billy Lunt. I am your host, and I am here to talk to you about all things dental hygiene to support you on your journey through the dental hygiene program. Welcome, so glad to have you. One of the first skills that you will learn in your preclinical rotation is how to take accurate vital signs and an accurate medical history. The medical history and vital signs are a couple of the components in the assessment process that allows you, the dental hygienist, to gather detailed information about the patient that you're treating in the dental chair. The connection between oral health and systemic wellness is well documented, and the evidence directs us to know that there is a strong correlation between many systemic illnesses, chronic conditions, and the oral health issues that are revealed during the assessment process. The dental hygienist is responsible for gathering accurate information during the assessment in order to identify the level of risk that their patient has. This associates treatment with the medical history. In this episode, we will discuss the vital signs, the medical history, and the importance of the communication or interview process techniques that are used in order to assure that the medical history is complete and accurate. The main objective in performing a complete medical history is to protect the health and safety of the patient. Gathering information on your patient's history of any systemic diseases or chronic illness helps you assign a level of risk that's associated with the patient, and it provides you with the information that you need in order to determine if your patient is safe to treat. It's important to know past and present disease status that surrounds your patient, as well as any medications or supplements that your patient is taking. It is also important to know the history of medications that your patient has been on, as they can have an impact on the oral health. Even if the patient is no longer taking the medication, there are specific medications that you need to be aware of. During the medical history assessment, the dental hygienist gathers a comprehensive understanding of the level of risk to treat that patient. It's important to keep in mind that there are many people that do not see a doctor on a routine basis for care. The dental hygienist may be the frontline healthcare provider that is interacting with some patients and could possibly be the only one providing screenings for medical conditions. An example of this would be the blood pressure screening, where a patient who has not or doesn't regularly see their primary doctor, a simple screening that the dental hygiene student performs as part of the medical history assessment could actually be revealing a medical condition that could require follow-up. Screenings like these should be incorporated into every dental visit. Once the dental hygienist has performed the basic screening components and understands the details behind any systemic condition, history, and present use of medication, 
and has developed a clear understanding of that patient's medical history, the next step is for the dental hygienist to figure out and determine the level of medical risk that's associated with the patient. The American Society of Anesthesiologists Physical Status Classification System, also known as ASAPS, serves as a guide of determining how the dental team should manage a patient and is a key component of the risk assessment. The physical status implications for dental treatment are broken down into four categories. ASA 1, which is a normal healthy patient with little or no anxiety about dental treatment. They are a green flag for dental treatment and have no treatment modifications for dental care. An ASA 2 patient is a patient with some mild systemic disease. It also could be an ASA 1 patient who presents as an anxious patient or fearful of dental treatment. Also, examples of an ASA2 patient would be somebody who has well-controlled diabetes, asthma, or epilepsy. These patients are considered a yellow flag for dental treatment, and you want to be sure that you are managing their anxiety during the treatment process. An ASA3 patient is a patient with severe systemic disease that limits their activity. An example of this would be congestive heart failure, angina, strokes, or heart attack history. These patients have a yellow flag for dental treatment, and you want to employ stress reduction strategies to make sure that their anxiety is being controlled. There might be some treatment modifications for this patient, such as antibiotic premedication, or there might be positional situations that you have to avoid. An ASA4 patient is a patient with severe systemic disease that is constant threat to life. This is an unstable patient. An example for this is somebody who has a history of heart attack or stroke within the last six months. These patients present a red flag for dental treatment. Elective dental care should be postponed until that patient's medical condition has improved and brought down to an ASA-3 classification. It is too risky to treat patients that are in the ASA-4 category. Specific steps to ensure an adequate and accurate medical history should be taken. Consistency and routine are some of the key features where the dental hygienist uses a step-by-step -step process to ensure accuracy when you're conducting a medical history assessment. Now, health literacy is a factor when you're performing a medical history assessment, and we'll cover health literacy a little more in depth in another episode. But for now, the two phases of the medical history are the interview or information gathering phase and the determination of medical risk. Now remember, the goal of the medical history assessment is to obtain complete information about that patient and keep them safe. So in the information or interview gathering phase, you are reading thoroughly every line and checking every box on the history form that is completed by the patient. And when you first start off in your preclinical rotation, 
you'll be asking each one of those individual pieces of the medical history to your patient. And I would definitely highlight that you want to be able to enunciate and pronounce all of the components of that medical history when you're performing an interview style information gathering session. The next part is prioritizing where you determine if the patient is having any acute pain. What has brought them in for the visit today? And remember, that is the number one rule. If the patient is in pain, that's their number one priority. And so you want to prioritize your treatment. After you've gathered the medical history information, you want to address the pain issue if that is a, um, an affirmative yes from your patient. You want to research any conditions uh, and diseases and medications, especially ones that you're unfamiliar with, so that you have an, uh, an accurate understanding of those conditions. You want to formulate some questions to ask the patient during the interview process so that it, they're open-ended questions so that you are allowed to gather more information from your patient without making assumptions. And after reviewing the dental history form, you should interview the patient in order to get a comprehensive picture of their health, their medications, and any of the additional questions that might have come up when you started researching the conditions and drugs. And then you want to determine if there's a need for consulting with a physician or another health specialist for further clarification on anything that might have been revealed during that medical history interview. On the upper right-hand side of your medical history where there's a medical alert, you want to note in red ink any allergies that your patient has. And in your computer software, your electronic software, in the medical alert box, you want to note any medical conditions that will alter dental treatment and any disease that alters drug use during dental treatment. For example, the use of local anesthesia or the use of epinephrine. These are contraindicated for some conditions and should be noted in the medical alert box in the electronic record so that it pops up every time you go into that patient's chart. Any medical condition or disease that puts the patient at risk for a medical emergency during dental treatment. Maybe a side effect of a medication is orthostatic hypotension and so this should be an alert that pops up for your patient. You also want to note in the medical alert box any medical condition, disease, or medications that could impact post-operative complications where the patient has trouble with healing or prolonged bleeding following an appointment. So those are the types of examples that you would indicate in the medical alert box when you're taking the medical history and something comes up during the interview process. There are some strategies that I'll just touch on for dealing with high anxiety patients and dental treatment. Many patients during the medical history information gathering process express that they have dental fear and anxiety or anxiety in general. And although this can present in a wide range and vary pretty significantly among patients, there are ways for you to help your patients manage this to reduce the risk of any type of medical emergency that could happen in your chair. Showing kindness and empathy goes a long way. 
When your patient feels like you understand the source of their anxiety and that they have been heard by you, it develops trust and shows a very caring presence. And just that alone can help reduce their anxiety levels. It's also a good idea to schedule high anxiety patients in your morning clinic sessions so that they're not left to worry and stress over and anticipate the appointment all day long. Be really mindful of the need for pain management before, during, and after the dental appointment. Now there's options of both anti-anxiety medications and local anesthesia regimens that can really impact your patient's experience in a really good way. The key is to work together in the care of your patients. You want to develop a plan with both you and the patient in mind, developing a plan that works for them, that meets their needs and still helps them manage their anxiety levels, starting with the most pressing issues first and working towards the goal of oral health. It is important to be able to communicate effectively with each patient in order to collect the information and inform your patient about treatment needs and risk. Communication is considered an essential skill for the dental hygienist. There are many barriers that exist in our patient populations around this topic. A skilled communicator takes these barriers into consideration when performing the medical history assessment. These barriers may or may not be initially evident or easily identified by the clinician, but adaptations still may be needed in order to obtain an accurate medical history from your patient. Let's identify some of the main communication barriers that you may encounter as a dental hygienist in the operatory. There are patients who are unable to speak, hear, or see. The loss of one or more senses are a barrier that impact communication and some modifications to the approach that we use may be needed. There's some specific action steps that you should take to be an effective communicator when these barriers exist. You want to greet the person by name as soon as you enter the operatory and identify who you are and why the patient is here. You want to speak directly to the patient and be an active listener in the conversation. Answer the questions clearly and give verbal cues that you are interested in what the patient has to say, that you are listening to them. If for some reason you have to leave the room, you want to let the patient know. You want to communicate every step in the process. You also want to be sure that you explain the process of the appointment with verbal information. So for example, next we're going to take x-rays and then we'll put you back in the chair. Remember, they are missing one or more of their senses and need you to help them with that. There are patients who present with language barriers. Patients who are not fluent in the language may have a really hard time understanding the conversation, and this may not be evident right away as far as how much of the conversation they are understanding. 
It's important to be respectful and patient when there is a language barrier to ensure that the patient feels respected and understood. As a dental hygienist, understanding cultural differences also improves patient care. In order to avoid any type of miscommunication and to respect cultural differences, the dental hygienist should speak slowly and clearly and ask one question at a time. You want to avoid things like slang or be too wordy to ensure that you are communicating clearly. Be an active listener and summarize what has been said in order to verify effective communication. This is a great practice to develop and it can really help you to check for clarity and discover the need for additional questions. Now the age of your patient also has an impact on how you communicate with them. When you are gathering information, the age of the patient does matter when it comes to our approach. We should listen to our patients and build rapport with our patients and communicate effectively. Now over the lifespan, our development of communication transitions through these overlapping phases. Young children are very much reliant on their parents for care and sharing of important medical information. As a dental hygienist, it's important to know that children are developing and their identity and sense of self-awareness needs to be respected. They want to feel like they are a part of the conversation and the process. The dental hygienist should explain the process of what they are doing in a way that the child can understand. For example, I'm taking a look at your story, the story about your body that helps me keep your smile happy. Speaking directly to the child and then taking a moment to ask an additional question to the parent goes a long way at keeping the child involved in the process. And this is a simple enough explanation to provide the child as you review the medical history with the parent or guardian. Adolescent patients want to take on a more active role in their care. And although they still rely on their parents or guardian for care, adolescents are at a stage where they want to be more involved in the process and they may have an opinion or viewpoint to share about a situation or conversation that unfolds during the information gathering process. Adolescents need to feel that their concerns are being heard and that their feelings and desires are being considered during the process of their care. Knowing this as a dental hygienist helps you to guide the conversation in a way that meets the developmental needs of that adolescent patient builds rapport and respect with the adolescent patient and trust. Keep in mind that the conversation and discussion about things like tobacco use or drugs may be different if the parent is in the room with the child. You want to be sure when you're dealing with your adolescent patient around this topic that these questions are asked privately in order to allow an opportunity for the adolescent to express themselves. With older adults, many of the same strategies that are used with small children can be used. Now keep in mind that you want to speak to the patient 
in a way that respects their level of competence and cognitive ability. Practice being an active listener for the older patient and provide space in the conversation to allow for responses. Some older adults may need extra time to express themselves clearly. For some older adults, visual aids may be a helpful tool that helps you convey information and key points. No matter your age as the clinician or the age of the patient in your chair, there are some key strategies that one can use to develop good rapport with patients regarding their age. You want to practice attentive listening. As a dental hygienist, we tend to be multitaskers. Mindful behavior in this area is key. Try not to be typing your notes while your patient is speaking or sharing something really important in their life. This is a challenging one and we all do it, but it does matter in building trust and rapport with our patients. Sit knee to knee with the patient whenever possible and make eye contact. We are all guilty of doing many things with the patient in a supine position where they may feel vulnerable. You wanna always treat the patient with respect and free of judgment. Be sure that you are not conveying nonverbal cues of being rushed or hurried. And this one is super challenging as well. When sitting and actively listening, be mindful of your body posture and the speed in which you are talking. We tend to talk faster when we are hurried or if we are in a rush and patients pick up on those feelings of being rushed. Be respectful of your patient's behaviors, decisions, and beliefs. You also want to display empathy and patience as you slowly elicit changes in these areas. Our patients can be significantly motivated to improve their health and change their behaviors once there is rapport and trust established. Taking the time to develop trust and rapport goes a long way at developing open and honest communication with your patient. Keep in mind that as a dental hygienist, you are an expert in oral health and systemic wellness. You will develop a solid understanding of the behavior change theories and learn effective communication skills and strategies while you're in school. In the clinical setting, as you start your medical history information gathering, you will begin the relationship building process with your patient. They're sharing personal information with you right out of the gate. And through study, practice, and implementation, you will develop the skills to assess your patient's attitudes, beliefs, and readiness to change their behaviors in order to improve their oral health outcomes. As you develop these skills, you will become more confident in mastering the art of balancing all of the effective communication that is required while still staying on task. This takes quite some time, so be patient with yourself. Thanks for joining me. In the next episode, we're going to be talking about the tooth morphology of the maxillary and mandibular premolars. I hope you're able to join me. Thanks for listening. Thank you.
I would invite you to ask any questions at all that you need answered. Sometimes questions come up when you're listening to this podcast. If you have a question, most likely someone else has the very same question. I'd be happy to answer it and would probably share it in a future podcast.